Welcome to our podcast, Chill Out Mama. I'm Sabria. And this is Crystal. Motherhood is a beautiful struggle. Do you focus on the struggle more than the beauty? We are two friends navigating the pressures of today's moms. In this space, we share transparently about worries, stress, and anxiety that we face in motherhood. This beautiful struggle isn't meant to be tackled alone. Come along with us on this journey and let's chill out together. Welcome to this week's episode of Chill Out Mama. We're continuing in our wellness series on friendships this week because we want to focus on you having healthy friendships with your girlfriends, your sister girls, and all of that. So this week we're bringing to you Amanda McIntyre. I actually met her at a behavioral health facility um, in Atlanta. I was an intern getting my master's degree and she was one of our supervisors, one of my supervisors. Um, And I always admired her because of her authenticity. And so I thought she'd be great for this topic because she brings the truth and she is herself wherever she is, even on Facebook. So you don't get, (laughs) sometimes you get people who pretend to be, they post who they are supposed to be, but they're not that person. She is truly that person. Um, and she has a wealth of knowledge. She went to an HBCU, has her um, bachelor's in social work. She got her master's in social work. And then she also went to Emory to get her master's of divinity. So she's done so much with her life. So Amanda, tell us a little bit about yourself before you get started. Um, Other than the educational background that you spoke um, a little bit about, I'm just a person who is committed to health and wholeness in general, but for particularly for women and even more so um, Black women. Um, I currently, or for the last few years, a lot of my work has been with military members and their families, caring for them. Um, and so I've been attached to a lot of different military bases. I actually just got back from doing a three and a half years in Japan. Um, now I'm currently working there for an army base in Florida and here in Florida. Um, and yeah, pretty much that's it. That's, that's what I do. I think my world is committed to health and wholeness. And I just want people to live, um, like you said, they're all, be their own authentic selves, live life unapologetically and just commit to, to every day to their own wholeness. So I want to jump right in to our conversation on friendships, because oftentimes we have friendships that are great and sometimes they're toxic. So um, let's talk about some of these friendship flaws that kind of pop up. And you notice them more as you get a little bit grown, grown, like we talked about in our, <laughs> our previous Grown, season. grown. Right, right. <laughs> so when you get grown, you don't have time for some things. But let's talk about introversion first. Like, how does that show up in friends? How can that impact friendships? Are you trying to call me out? But okay. Um... <laughs> We're all introverts. Amanda, we are both introverts as well. So we actually we already know the answer to this question. We're just trying, we're just trying to educate the audience. So I think one thing is first owning that you are an introvert, right? Owning that and like knowing what that means to you. Because introvert can mean I don't want to fool with anybody, or it can be I only can do deal with certain type of people, or it could be I can only deal with certain types of people at certain times, right? And so I think first knowing and owning that you're an introvert and like knowing what that means and looks like for you so that you can articulate it to the people in your life, right? Because a lot of people, what I've, I've learned as I've gotten grown, grown, um, 
is that people personalize a lot of things, right? And so mm -hmm. as you're developing friendships and relationships, if somehow you're able to say on your journey, don't take this personal. Sometimes I just, being in a whole lot of social spaces overwhelms me. So if I like disappear or go dark for like a couple of days, it has nothing to do with you. It's just that I'm kind of tapped out and I got to kind of zone back into myself to kind of recenter myself. But also like to personalize it, I am an introvert. And I sometimes I get to these places where I don't want to talk to anyone for days and it's not intentional. I don't want to talk to you. It's just that I don't have the energy. Um, and so me and my best friend kind of have, she knows, okay, I know you're in that week. That's one of those weeks, but I need you to tap, text me or send an email to me or something every four days just to say, hey, you're good. And mm -hmm. so kind of being able to own, yes, I'm an introvert, but still recognizing that this is what my friend is asking of me. And is it going to hurt me to do that? So that's for me, how you start with the introvert piece, kind of knowing, owning, having the conversation, and then navigating what that will look like in your friendships. I love, I love what you were saying about, especially that first part of knowing. So I think mm -hmm. a lot of people don't really know what introversion is because many of us, I'm sure y'all can tell me if you agree, we were labeled probably younger as shy or, you know, maybe even stuck up or like there were a lot of mm -hmm. negative connotations with that type of personality. It could have mm -hmm. been. And so it yeah. takes some time to discover what it means, as Amanda just said, what it means for you what introversion looks like in your life and in how uh -huh. you other people and how, how you were raised or how you've grown up and all of that is kind of intertwined together. Like you talked about working with military families. I was a military brat. So mm -hmm. I moved around every two or three years. So think about an introvert that is constantly the new kid and mm -hmm. always changing. So at some point I'm like, you know, I really don't need friends very much. Mm -hmm. you know? Because I got to put a lot of effort into somebody getting to know me, opening up. And that that's, takes a lot of effort for me. So mm -hmm. as I got older, I actually started kind of making the decision where I'm just cool by myself because I really was. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to see the value in people getting to know me because of moving around so much. Right. So right. sometimes it can be layers to it's not just an introverted personality, but other mm -hmm. things that have happened in your life. Absolutely. Because it's funny, you talked about you know, as a kid, we were probably labeled as shy and all of these other things. And so funny, my introversion or kind of where I am in this space now didn't happen for me until adulthood, right? Mm -hmm. So like I was always out and about and doing in college, I was on every committee and every pageant and every, and as I become an adult, I, and, and to be totally transparent, a lot of it has been a result of loss and trauma, right? And it's just like, you get tired of, I guess the kind of similar to the military aspect is just like, I don't really have anything else to give, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was interesting how you said most people as introverts probably start off that way as a child. My transition, I would say probably my late 20s. That is interesting, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's that's with pretty much anything though. Like there can mm -hmm. be things that are just who we are. Like even anxiety, we talk a lot about that. Some of us were just anxious children and other mm -hmm. things are circumstantial that something happened and that kind of the anxiety came from that so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that you differentiated between that because some people they may not have started out that way but right so what do we say to the people who are so introverted that they don't put themselves out there to make new friends as adults um I think first it probably starts with the relationship right so a lot of times people who are introverted um like Crystal kind of said 
get these labels. Oh, she's stuck up or she thinks she's better. So if you're working with someone, we have to be very cautious of these labels that they throw out. Because in our mind, it's, gosh, she don't talk to nobody. She thinks she's better than us and all of these things. And we really never know what's going on, right? And so I think one, just trying to checking in on people and then saying, hey, I know you're kind of quiet, but I want you to know that if you ever need anything or, hey, you know, I have a sister that reminds me a lot of you, she's kind of quiet, but know you have somebody right here. If it's somebody that you know actually probably more personally, then you can probably just kind of check in and like kind of walking with them. I think that sometimes we have these ideas of how people should be and we kind of have these expectations. And then when they, they don't show up or meet those expectations, we get frustrated. So I really always think about, don't laugh at me, Sabria. You know how you're in church and they're like, you know, if you want to join, look at your neighbor and say, I'll walk with you. I've kind of lived that in my life. Like I'll walk with you I'll and I kind of let people guide. So some people, I hear a lot of conversations about like adult friendships, adult friendships, like how do you make them? And I think you make them just like you made them as a child. But I think the thing that has happened is as we live, we've been burnt and we've been hurt and we've been judged. <laughs> so our innocence has kind of been threatened a little bit. And so literally just kind of being patient with people and saying, I know you're kind of isolated. I know you're kind of to yourself, but what do you think about, I don't know, there's this new restaurant opening next Friday. What do you think about going, right? Mm -hmm. And just kind of take baby steps because things are not always what they seem, I promise. Like we label people as these things, but as people, you get to know people and they begin to open up, it's literally like a flower that you thought was done blooming mm -hmm. and with great nurturing, it just gets wider and wider and even more beautiful. like that I like that a lot I definitely agree and I mean that's just a sign of a, probably a toxic person yeah. <laughs> that uh, it may not even just be just in the conversation that you want to set a boundary but maybe even in just in the relationship in general if you don't have trust there I think that's really hard to truly have a, a real friendship with someone if you don't trust them and I think also adding to that crystal is like making sure they know why you pull back. Because a lot of times, I feel like a lot of times women, we have these breaks in relationships, but we never articulate kind of what happened. And it leaves somebody wondering like, what did I do? Now, some folks know exactly what they did, but sometimes some people like, if we're having a, uh, the example of me telling Sabria's business, right? And if that's how I get down and that's just what I do, I don't, may not even know that it's wrong because every other friend I have has accepted it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you even saying that really makes me uncomfortable. Can we just put a pause in this conversation? Because I honestly, I don't want to know about what's going on with Crystal's world if she does, if she hasn't told me. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, well, what are you saying about me when I'm not here? Mm -hmm. And that part, that may be an opportunity for growth. <laughs> that may be an opportunity that that person is shamed. That, not that that's the goal, but it's like, oh, I guess I never thought about it like that. I mean, that can literally happen. I think yeah. we have to you know, just again, walking with people and be patient in our, in our friendships and uh, kind of transparent and vulnerable. Definitely. I love that you use vulnerability and you're talking about being just authentic in your experience of that person and giving them the opportunity mm -hmm. to maybe fix the situation. I know mm -hmm. I've been in that situation where somebody was thinking something about me and I didn't even know it until mm -hmm. it was done. Or yeah. until it had gone so far that they had... I'm like, I can't believe you even thought that about me. 
and, mm-hmm. and now I have feelings about the fact that you've been holding that in and haven't and didn't tell me about it. Whereas when something happens, if you can just address it, that's a very mature way to happen to um, handle the situation. But also, if you care about them, give them the opportunity to mm-hmm. write the situation if there's something that mm-hmm. they can fix. So one thing I'm learning, and it's it's really interesting. So I can I say I hate I really have a, a problem with this. Uh, how do I name it? I don't know this new social context of like all of these uh, real housewives and all of these different kind of like hip hop culture shows that are supposedly bunny ears, bunny ears rooted in um, sisterhood. Right. And mm-hmm. there's or friendship is that that's well, all these women are supposed to be related in some way. And it's it's so traumatic and it's so dramatic. And it, I think it really shows us a negative way of relating to each other as women but particularly black women and I remember once talking to a professor at an all women's college and this was even earlier this had to be like in 2010 and she said in all of her years of teaching she had never seen such aggressive and combative women in her classes and such like um conflict like literally physical altercations and she was connecting until she was like it has to be a result of what they're watching and I know people I remember I used to have this conversation with people all the time like Amanda it's just it's just entertainment it's just entertainment but that stuff gets into your spirit I don't care what you listen to I don't care what you watch I don't care what you eat at some point there's going to be a consequence right and so I think that we get bad examples and so I think a lot of those shows how do I know because at one point I watched them but a lot of those shows don't teach us how to navigate difficult conversations it's immediately like, I don't want to disrespect the, co- the podcast, but it's immediately like B-I-T-C-H this and you this and you ain't going to tell me and you ain't. And me and you can have the same conversation about the same thing, but the approach is different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really monitoring who we're modeling or who's modeling for us, whether we're aware of it or not. So how do you think, so if someone has never seen healthy female friendship or relationships, because look, this could be in families too, where all the aunties are always at each other's throats or mom and daughter, are at each, you know, we, we, we know, right? Now you're talking so, about generational persons. Right. right? <laughs> so if you have never seen it and don't even believe that women can be friends, because we've probably all met a, a woman that has said, I can't do friends, I can't do women with as friends. I, I just hang out with, with men, right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you do to kind of unlearn or where do we look for models of that? If we can't look at TV, so sometimes mm-hmm. we can't look at church, we can't, we can't look at family. How do we mm-hmm. begin to build healthy female friendships? I think, again, it starts with the awareness. And one, do you have a desire to have a healthy female friendship? And even imagining what that might look like for you, right? Because I have people in my life who I've had to say, I'm not that type of friend. I'm not calling you every weekend. We not going to the mall. We not about to go to the club. I will pray you through any storm. I will tap out my bank account, you know, to pay your rent. Like I'm that type of friend. But I think how, when you say how the question was, how do you develop those healthy friendships? um, I think you first have to desire what friendship means to you and what you're seeking, right? Because friendship literally is no different than dating, right? It's it's literally... You want to know, you know what you want in a partner and I want him or her to have this, 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 and this. I think you have the right to have those same desires and friendship. Now you might not get it all, but being very clear about what you need and being able to articulate that, 
I think that starts the journey. And as you all kind of connect and begin to spend time together, when things make you uncomfortable, have those conversations. And I'll, I'll tell you totally honestly, uh, it was funny when Sabria asked me about this topic. I was like, God, are you kidding me? Because I am not a good friend. And I say that because <laughs> I, say, I only say that because I think about how absent I can be. And I'm always all over and I'm always doing something. And I don't think that I show up for people the way that I desire. But as I've said those things to my friends, they, they, re- they affirm me and they're like, no, Amanda, we know what we get from you. We, we understand. And even though you think one friend always tells me, you get more than what you're even aware of, right? And so I try to show up. I try to be there in the way that I can be. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we have this idea of this is what a friend should do, right? And so and when I say about, I don't know if I'm a good friend because to be honest, as a 38-year-old woman, I look back on some of the friendships that I've lost because I didn't use my voice. And when things begin to fall apart and then in the distance and then you get, you don't get over yourself. And then before you know it, it's been four or five years and a conversation could have been had, but shame and all these other things set you know, into play. And then you make all of these excuses and then you're like, I don't even know what to do, right? So it's just, I think that one, knowing what you desire in friendship and what that means to you. But one of the greatest things that I can say is knowing how to have difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. I learned that too late, right? I think that we think best friends and maybe even relationships are, you know, going to be perfect. And when they're not, we don't know what to do with it. And when I've learned, or I think I've seen, I feel like in our partnerships, and I guess I can only, I'm going to use the term male because that's my only experience in dating, right? Like, I feel like we give males more grace (laughs) in intimate relationships than we do in our female friendships. Um, And I'm, I'm only speaking from my experience. I don't know if that works you know, in other communities. But I just, if we can have the same difficult conversation that we have with our intimate partners, or you made me feel uncomfortable and you didn't call me back and I don't like when you do this. I don't feel like we do that in our female friendships or our platonic friendships. Or just being as forgiving. Yeah, just forgiving. We're not even having the difficult conversations with men, but we forgive them. We let it Mm -hmm. go. We just be like, well, he didn't remember. We make excuses. But it's excuses. <laughs> but, but like, what would it look like if we extended that same grace? And I wonder for females, is it this this embedded um, belief that we feel like she should know better? Right. So like, I feel like when we give males all of these tasks, it's just, oh, he's a man and the excuses and da da da. But with females, because it's, I feel like it's like she know better because as women, we but we're not all the same at all. We're not all the same. So that's, I think that's, that's one thing that I don't even know where that came from, but yeah, that's one thing that stands out to me. But you said a whole word right there, <laughs> a whole word. But let's talk about accountability. You talked about that a little bit because you said you have your best friend that mm-hmm. makes you check in every four days. Yeah, um, how get to that, that point? Um, her, like, I've had seasons, you know, when I've suffered from depression and me going very dark um, and her being worried about me and me living kind of all over the world um, and her, me, me allowing people to love me the same way that I love them, right? So I know how to love. That's all I know how to do. Whatever you got, need, I got you. Amanda tries her best to show up. Nobody ever taught me how to receive love. 
And so that was very difficult and a challenge for me. Like, I know how to be, quote unquote, like the strong friend. I'll never say that again, but I know how to be the strong friend. And so those those moments when you can't be the strong friend or those you don't know, all you know how to do is give. You don't know how to receive. Right. And so having those difficult conversations when my best friend um, would say to me, hey, Amanda, I'm worried about you. Just check in every couple of days. Just send me a text. It was difficult at first, but it was like, okay, this is Amanda, can you do this? Is this going to hurt you? Do you have the capacity to do this? Yeah. And I and I do it. The accountability is when something hurts, um, not shutting down, because that's what I would tend to do, but I'm growing in that area, being able to say, you know, when you said this the other day, that hurt my feelings, right? And so, and her being able to say, well, thank you for telling me, because I really didn't know. And us being able to kind of have those conversations. So I guess the accountability comes from, again, accountability comes after vulnerability, maybe. So after you're vulnerable enough to say, this is it, this is what I'm feeling, and then they're vulnerable enough to say whatever, okay, how do we move forward from here? Well, let's, let's do this. This is what I need. And then the accountability comes after that. But you know, people don't do vulnerability because that's like, I guess people think you, it feels like you're walking around naked. Yeah. But I guess, I guess what's the alternative? People have the power to hurt you if they know your weakness or they know mm-hmm. who you really are. Mm-hmm. They know those tender spots on your heart, they can hurt you. So I'd rather pretend that I don't need you or, you know, you just don't get to see that part of me. And you were <clears throat> being brave enough to let somebody love you. I think it's even more brave to let somebody truly know who you are and mm-hmm. not just who you pretend to be or who you show the world. Even as that strong friend, many times that strong friend is one that will know everything about everybody because everybody comes to them, but nobody knows what they're struggling with. They know how to make people feel like they know them and they don't. Whatever, Crystal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm saying <laughs> Okay. The first time I, I like, I think I read something and I read, I was like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. But it's a skill. And I was like, I had no idea that I knew how to do that so well that I could be so connected to people where they felt like they truly knew me. And I knew deep down inside, they have no idea that I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. They have no idea how anxious I am. They have no idea what I'm struggling with. And it's my fault that they don't know because they want to know. They love me. They would listen. And I just won't give them the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you didn't have to call us out like that. Right. I'm sitting here like- I'm sharing. I'm sharing. My, my toes got stepped on. <laughs> Yeah. So allow yourself to be known, to be seen, to be understood, like give people the opportunity. I spent a lot of time feeling like nobody would understand if I did open up to them. So I didn't even try. But when I did try, baby steps. And when I prayed, okay, I need some true friendships that I can share my heart with, Sabrina showed up. Hmm. Like in the, like, it, it, it could have only been God because that was the one time that we were in the same place at the same time. With the same color car. The same making car. My- <laughs> <laughs> that was the sign I needed because God had to be crystal clear for me. 
And she had said the same thing. And we were on the same type of journey. And the the intimate friendships that I have with people, they're always in that way where I have to recognize, okay, this is a God moment. God has put someone in my life and I have to allow myself to be seen and known in order to get the value, to understand the value of this connection because it is valuable. Yeah. But you know, at the same time that you get those nudges from God, he also nudges you when you're supposed to be vulnerable in relationships. It happens. Oh, yeah. But sometimes we say, oh, I'm not going to share that. But that's disunity. I learned that this year. We were talking about Paul and Acts and when you don't go when God says to go, we don't do what God says to do. That's disunity and it's not representative of what he wants you to do. And it's not kingdom. So are you going to share your testimonies and share your vulnerabilities are you going to hold it in and keep moving and not bless the other person who needed to hear it in that moment and i think we also we 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 take the risk of messing up the domino effect of blessings right so god is telling me to say something to sabria and say this because god needs sabria to release what she has and then once she releases that we begin to have a totally different conversation that impacts somebody else right and so i guess that's a whole conversation on like obedience and even knowing you know how you know God speaks to you but that's a whole nother podcast but yeah did you know that my word of the year was release and you keep saying release well I didn't I didn't know (laughs) see 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 the domino effect Lord have mercy stepping on toes leads to release right But I've also, I've also heard that some of that, so some of it is fear, you know, of people knowing what's really going on, but it's also, there's a lot of pride Mm. to let people see who you really are. Um, So go ahead. So what's really interesting is that, you know, as a mental health provider, we have these terms and these diagnoses, right? Um, But it's so funny what happens to often be underneath, right? So we say, you know, so-and-so suffers with depression and anxiety and there's trauma. And those are absolute real things. Because we can be working with five people that all have anxiety. And how that anxiety manifests for them is all different, mm-hmm. right? And so I always think about an iceberg. And I say, at the tip of the iceberg, what we see is your anxiety. We see your persistent worry. We see the heart palpitations. We see the pacing back and forth. But what is underneath that tip, right? And so when we talk about an iceberg, it's dangerous because we don't know how, if I am a captain of a ship and I see a tip of an iceberg, I am going to freeze because I have no idea how far that block goes out, right? So I got to stop. And no matter what, I, one thing that has been really interesting to me in working with anxiety is so much of it is connected to perfectionism, right? It's so much of it is connected for this idea of I have to be perfect. And then we start be beginning to pull the layers back or go underneath the water and so much of that stuff has started in early childhood right and so asking ourselves so I always say you know the best way I've been taught is anxiety is the inability to tolerate the unknown so when we don't know what's on the other side we, we can't we can't fathom it we can't tolerate it so our minds and our bodies are doing all of these things to prevent what we think is on the other side mm-hmm. and so I always say like what what are we what are we afraid of people knowing about us and you said something earlier about um we don't want people to hurt us and kind of know our weaknesses right and so I guess for me what I've learned is if I know my weaknesses you can't call me out right and so if it's like 
Amanda, you are so my friend. All my best friend all the time. God, you are so messy. I know. So what's for lunch? Right? Like I know this. You know this. It ain't changed since 1994. What are we doing for lunch? But I think it's when we are not honest with ourselves yeah. about this is my struggle. This is my challenge. That's what allows us to be vulnerable. You can't be vulnerable with anybody else. And, and you can't expose yourself if you don't even know what's there. Mm. I, I don't got no problem telling you this because I know this is what I struggle with. It's when people call us out and we haven't accepted it. That's when the shame sets in. That's when we want to put our clothes back on. Right? Like, I don't want you to see this. I, girl, I know I am a mess. I was just thinking the other day driving home. And I, I always hear people say, so-and-so is jealous of me. So-and-so is jealous of me. And I just, I never understood that. I'm like, is that a real thing? Right? <laughs> and so then you begin to, and like for the first time, I think in my adult life, I've, I'm experiencing of what I feel like somebody being jealous of me. And I'm like, I want to be like so bad, girl, do not be jealous of me. I am a complete <laughs> mess in cute shoes. That's it, girl. But I'm just like, <laughs> okay. Like, sure, okay. Knowing, knowing my stuff, like knowing my stuff, takes your power away from being able to hurt me because it's literally like girl amanda you are always like i know and you know that so what are we doing <laughs> right like and knowing that and that also allows allows god to kind of prune and work on things with you but if you don't be honest about it then you, you kind of stay stuck and the shame intensifies definitely mm -hmm. and yeah. some of those relations will be part of that pruning process or growth they're like, okay, I got this issue, girl. Okay, we're gonna pray, but I also need you to call me and tell me not to do this, or don't call him, or like, I need you mm -hmm. to help me on this journey. If we can share our weaknesses, the things we struggle with, other people can come along with us. We don't have yeah. to be alone in it. Yeah, it's scary though. It's a scary place. So all I hear is that you got to work on yourself. Mm -hmm. And then the same work that you're putting in in your romantic relationships, you need to try to put in on your friendships, your girlfriends, sister friends. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I think working on self, like just being self-aware, like self-inventory and self-aware, because that kind of creates the plan to work on yourself. Like, what are you working on? So you got to know exactly what's going on with you first and what you're experiencing so that you can begin to work on those things and not try to work on 56 things at one time because right. you're going to be defeated. You make this list of who am I, right? Like, who am I? What is all my challenges? And literally write them out. And you say, well, what, what, looking at this list, if one of these things could change, what would have the greatest positive impact on my life? You know what? If I was more patient, okay. I ain't telling nobody to pay for patience. That is not my ministry. But, but, you know, like if I could be more patient, okay, well, what is that going to look like for you, right? And just starting baby steps. Because I think if we try, it's just like people who are working on nutrition and weight loss. Maybe like, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then by the fourth day, I'm <laughs> over this because it's too much. Mm -hmm. But taking little, little small steps and, and being you know, it's so funny. We always take, talk about God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. And if we feel like God models for us, like how we should be, we got to extend that same grace to ourselves. We beat ourselves up in ways that God would never, God would never treat us some, in, in some of the manners in which we treat ourselves, right? And so that same grace that God models grace for us so that we can be gracious with other people 
but also to be gracious with ourselves. Yes. It starts there, I believe. Yeah. I think the most critical people say even worse things to themselves in their head. I've been there. <laughs> you know, the most judgmental people, they're judging themselves constantly. And it, so it starts with you. When you can love and care and are kind to yourself, you're going to be able to do that for other people. Just like you said, you show the grace yeah. to yourself, compassion, then you have it available for other people. Exactly. You to extend yourself grace. And even if we want to talk about like forgiveness, some of us are unable to forgive other people because we can't forgive ourselves. And so when you know you've made a complete mess, you screw that all the way up. You're like, oh, I want to <laughs> let this go. I want to move forward. God, like, let's just go. When somebody else screws up, you're able to be like, I get it, girl. I've been there. Don't even worry about it. Like, let's not do it again. But again, I guess, like you said, Sabria, like working on ourselves or it starts with us. It starts mm -hmm. within. So would you, would y'all agree that if you're seeing a pattern of unhealthy friendships, that the issue may be you? Yes. <laughs> I will say this if you attract the same kind of friend around I know this, and I can say this because I went through this when I was in Texas we had just found out about Simon and all the friends I had were anxious and I was like I cannot be around these people because they make me anxious no I was anxious because I didn't know what to do because we just found out he had autism but after that moment and after I did some work for myself I realized and I was like, I cannot with that friend anymore because it was more than anxiety for them, but they didn't realize it. But I realized what was going on with me. So I think so, yes. I think you kind of attract what you're going through. And I think God puts people in your life that need that you need to experience so that you can see what's going on with yourself. Because mm -hmm. sometimes we don't see it or sometimes we don't want to see it. Mm -hmm. And so God will say, here you go. Look <laughs> at this, look at this mirror <laughs> and get yourself together. <laughs> What do you think, Amanda? So I, I, I more than get it. But the only reason that I struggle with that, because I hear that, I, I more than get it, Sabria. But the only reason that I struggle with that is because I hear that so often, even in relationships, you attract who you are, right? And I feel like that puts so much on the person, almost kind of blames them for some of the situations. So I think what I look at is kind of like, yeah, you might attract because that's the way life happens or people see certain things in you but it becomes, what do you accept, right? So there's the attraction piece, but then it's like, oh, uh, but what do you accept? Because people are always going to be drawn to light, right? So it's like, this is who I am. This is what I have. You get somebody that's drawn to you because of what you have and how you can pour into them. But if it's not working for you or, or, or you're having a negative experience, the question becomes, let me stop and see what am I accepting, right? Because we have to understand, again, like people that we connect with, friends, it's, we are always walking in in the middle of someone's story, right? If they're not our sister, if they didn't grow up in the house with us, if they're not our cousin, we're walking in in the middle of their story. And so when we meet these people, we're like, they always attracting a bad friend. That might've been their only example. You, you know what blows my mind is that when I work with people with domestic violence, so much of all of their relationship experiences have been physical abuse, right? Physical abuse, like four or five relationships, that's what they know. That has become their love language. Right. And so when they get in a relationship and a man is or a person is not hitting them, they don't feel love. Right. And so if the question is, how do you, if people keep attracting these same whatever type of friendships, the question just becomes, how did I get here? 
right? And, and, and I don't want people to blame themselves like, it must be me. I got to be doing something. It's not the attraction, but it's what are you accepting, right? And are you accepting that he or she or they did this? If this doesn't work for you, then you have to learn how to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And the other side of that, I think where I was coming from was just taking the responsibility for what you accept or the choices yeah. that you make and that there may be something, whether it be in your past or not, that's kind of influencing that and you need to deal with that. Right. Because right. it keeps happening. You mm-hmm. keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting something, yeah. you know, something has to change. And wh- who is it? Who is the Iyama? Stop the cycle. Stop interrupting. Yeah interrupt the, the okay. pattern and sometimes we're the one that can interrupt it right right definitely so, so you said something else about people are attracted to light mm-hmm. can you talk about that imposter syndrome and how that's uh, connected to friendships <sighs> imposter syndrome and how that is connected to friendships so I think that so the reason I said the whole light comment is because like in the context of relationships I often hear this thing you are what you attract right like or you attract what you are and stuff like that and that's just it's uncomfortable for me because that I feel like that puts a lot of blame on some people who could possibly have been victims to certain situations um but imposter syndrome um I think for me it's just kind of not seeing your own light or not being comfortable in owning your greatness um with three black women in this space right now I'll say we have imposter syndrome more than anyone right because the world has told us or kind of says, puts these limitations on us and our own, our own things that we've experienced personally, professionally kind of creates this innate fear inside of us that we almost want to silence ourselves or often want to silence ourselves or make ourselves small. Um, so that's the piece of imposter syndrome, but also maybe how that, what that may look like in friendships is not wanting to share your stuff. And feeling like if I say this to her, then she's probably going to think this. Or I don't want to do this because then she's going to think that I'm trying to do this. Um, and so I think that kind of goes back with kind of everything that we've talk, been talking about. I, I, to be completely, completely honest, you may have a lot of people in your life, but everyone's not going to be your friend. And I think having that expectation leads to disappointment and hurt, and then you begin to shut yourself off again. And so when we talk about authenticity and vulnerability, everyone does not deserve your story, right? And so you have to understand that and thinking about you're only going to have that deep, um, transparent, authentic relationship. I don't know if I want to say few because I don't want to put limits, but I don't want people to think that you're going to get 56 million of those in your lifetime right? Because if you have that expectation or maybe even that desire, you're going to have some disappointments. But understanding those rich connections and those places where you can show up and be completely vulnerable and naked and be like, yo, this, this is my mess, girl. I know I'm crazy. Um, it's going to happen when it happens. And it may not happen with everybody. That doesn't mean that person's a bad friend or that you're a bad friend. It just means that that is not your place for vulnerability. I don't know if I answered your question, but you did. <laughs> <laughs> you did and you basically said every friend kind of has their place in your life yes, right? I yes. love, like, like it's like layers right so there might be some on the outside layer and then it keeps coming in closer and closer and closer and there's not that much space in the inner part 
So that can only be one or two people. It don't even have to be your family. I like to say that because a lot of us think it's limited to, it has to be blood relatives have to be the people that are closest to you. And that's just not true. So, but it's, you can still, these people can be friends, associates, people that are special to you. That does not mean I love what you said. They don't have to have access to your heart though. They don't have to have that close intimate relationship or information about you. And, and understanding, I love the way you said that, Crystal, like all of your friends are going to have like different roles. I remember once having a conversation with somebody and she was saying that one of her friends was fake because she only told her certain things about her life. Right. And not everything. And so like understanding that if you think about four or five people in your life right now, like I have some friends that when I'm going through, I'm not going to call because they're going to be like, girl, let's go fight her. Girl, let's pull up. Let's drop. I don't need that. I need a prayer word. Like, what is our father who are in heaven? Like, I need that right now. I don't need you to be amping me up. So, like, understanding, I have friends that I can talk to when it comes to career stuff, right, who are going to give me some wisdom of Amanda, you know, you might need to look at it this way. I have friends that I can talk to about God. And I have some friends that would be like, sis, I know what you're talking about, but I don't feel like praying about it, right? So it's just knowing who you can go to for what. And it's not about being fake or using people, but it's about recognizing people's gifts, right? Like this, I need an encourager right now. So this is, I'm going to lean into this person or I need somebody who's going to be the gift of truth right now. I need somebody who's going to completely be honest with me and knowing how to navigate those spaces. And that definitely helps with what you said with having realistic expectations of each person so that you don't, so you're not disappointed. Mm-hmm. That's what disappointment, that's what disappointment is real. right? Unmet expectations and probably unvoiced. You just mm-hmm. expected this one person to be everything, every friend. She's every woman, <laughs> and mm-hmm. no, it's not in her. <laughs> so <laughs> it's so funny because recently I've been working with um, a clinician. I've been doing a lot more work with uh, mother-daughter trauma, right? And just having to be teach myself about that and kind of be more aware of how that shows up. And I'm really thinking I'm able to say that I'm learning so much about how unresolved mother-daughter conflict shows up in our relationships, right? Like, and so there's this big thing. I think I was just, I just did a talk a couple weeks ago on like self-care. And there's this big thing in the Black community that's kind of like, I can't tell my mom how I feel. Like people are 40, 45 years old. Like I can't tell my mom because she don't think, I'm disrespecting her. And I think that we have a misunderstanding of disrespect and discomfort, right? And so we have to be able to say, hey, mom, you know, when you did this or when this happened or when I was seven and this happened and it's like, don't disrespect. No, mom, I'm not disrespecting you. I'm just trying to tell you what happened. Those same, I'm afraid to say something or she gonna say this or if she pulled this up and she going way back, those same things show up in our personal relationships if we are not aware. Because think about it, like our mom, if, if depending on what our lives look like, was one of our first female friends, mm-hmm. yes. right? And how we interna- interacted and connected with her, that stuff, it was modeled. That stuff mm-hmm. is ingrained in us and not everything was healthy. Yeah. And we watched their friendships as well. So that's another yeah. piece of it. And we watch how they gossip on the phone with their friend and then hang up and then the friend over. And I think that's why I might not even like talking on the phone. I, I, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? 
we have to talk about? <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think we, I think we have come full circle, right, right back to the, what we saw modeled, whether it be in our own personal relationship with the women in our family, our moms, uh, sisters, all that, and how that's showing up in our current, the current state of our friendships. Mm -hmm. It's going to be an influence, either negative or positive. It could be somewhat neutral if you're aware of it and you don't allow it to impact it too much. Yeah. Yep. Do you have anything else, Crystal? Of course I can keep going. I know. This is amazing. <laughs> no. Okay. So you get three therapists, introverts, <laughs> that love to have deep conversation. Like this is what introverts thrive in. This is when we talk, right? Mm -hmm. Meaningful, deep conversation. And we'll probably all have to take a nap afterwards. <laughs> yes, nap in the street. Yes. <laughs> But no, this has been great. I'm I'm good. Hopefully, Amanda will come back and we can continue on in these healthy the topic of healthy relationships. But I think we've given enough for this episode. Yes, I agree. So we normally like to leave our listeners with a nugget, a chill pill, to kind of carry them through until they hear us again. Do you have something that you could leave with them, Amanda? And then also tell them how they can reach out to you on social media. A chill pill, a nugget to carry with them. Um, be gracious with yourself. It is even before 2020 and the pandemic and every day we are trying to get it together or keep it together. We never know what other people are going through. You have to be kind to yourself. You being kind to yourself and patient with yourself and gracious with yourself sets the tone for other people to extend those same things to you, right? So if I know you take such good care of yourself, I know I'm going to have to offer you the same thing or it's not going to work. Um, so I just, I really, women in particular, if you can just be gracious and kind to yourself, um, I think that's, that's your healing. That's your healing every day. Um, as far as keeping in contact with me, you can find me on IG at moments. M-O-M-E-N-T-S with W-I-T-H Mandy, M-A-N-D-E-E. And thank you all so much for the invite. This was very refreshing for a long week. Um, and again, keep taking care of yourselves. Thanks Bye -bye. again. Chill Have out, a good mama. night. Thank you. <laughs> Chill out, mamas. <laughs> Before you go, don't forget to like, share, and follow us at Chill Out Mama Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us at chilloutmamapod at gmail.com. We'll have brand new episodes every Tuesday, so we look forward to you joining us next time.